My name is Ryan Miner. You're listening in this evening on November the 1st, two days, less than, well, less than that, to the November election, which is held this Tuesday, Election Day. It's a big, big day in our country, and I'm following it very closely. I'm on aminordetail.com, and you can find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. And I write a newsletter as well. And John here writes a newsletter when he has time. But my guest tonight is not from the state of Maryland, although he's been through it several times. I'm really excited about tonight. And I'll tell you why. Because I've known John Delano, who is KDKA News, which is a CBS affiliate in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I've known John Delano for, God, John, when was it? 2009 that we first met when I went to college in Pittsburgh at Duquesne University I was one of those guys as a political science undergraduate major who always watched the local news and that's where I first learned who John was and he has always been sort of an all-star to me so the first time I met John in person I was like I couldn't believe it he was like a celebrity and we developed a great friendship I consider him a dear friend, a mentor, and someone who has always given me great life and professional advice. John is really the number one political journalist in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm proud and honored that he's made some time tonight. He is coming to you live, as you can see, from his home and right just right outside of Pittsburgh. John, seeing you tonight, my friend, and really makes me miss Pittsburgh. Welcome. Well, it's great to be with you, Ryan. And gee, with that kind of a buildup, I should just uh, <laughs> turn around and go home. Except I'm home. I'm here. I'm up in my attic for those who are able to watch this. And uh, I've done countless interviews over the last seven months with every conceivable political figure. Yesterday was Pete Buttigieg. The day before that was Cory Booker. You know, Pennsylvania is such a must-win state for both candidates that uh, I've had the opportunity, and it's a tremendous opportunity to interview not only the presidential candidates, running mates, family members, and all their surrogates that they send through Pennsylvania, uh, but lots of other folks as well, uh, simply to talk about what this election is all about. And uh, frankly, I get that opportunity, Ryan, because of the voters of Pennsylvania. If we weren't so hard to figure out and we're so un if we weren't so unpredictable, the candidates wouldn't be tripping over each other as they are in order to uh, win support here and then come to, to our station, which is the number one television station in Western Pennsylvania. And I'm the political editor of that station. So it gives me uh, lots of, of opportunities. And I, uh, I, I must say, I, I still enjoy it. You can tell from my gray hair, I've been doing this for more than a few years. <laughs> But uh, it's always fun to do. So thanks, Ryan, for asking me to be on your show. John, it is an honor and unparalleled privilege to have you this evening. Uh, my wife and I, whenever we visit Pittsburgh, my wife Kim, we always stop, of course, by Duquesne, and we have to have lunch or dinner with John. And anytime we are out in Pittsburgh, whether it be Pamela's, which is one of my favorite spots to eat breakfast, a well-known political spot over in the strip district 
John is always recognized, and he'll he, he'll say, "Well, I'm out of my uniform because John typically wear <laughs> you wear a suit, John." And it's All so fun. Yeah. Not tonight. No, not tonight. tonight. Sunday, Sunday night. It's no. Sunday night. You always wear a, a suit, and then when you're not, when you're out of your uniform, you said, "Oh man, these people still <laughs> recognize me." Inevitably, a fan always comes up to John and says, hi, John, how are you? I see you on TV. And of course, John is, as a local celebrity, he is very kind and gracious and and will sit and chat with them. But no, John, it's it's great to have you. I'm excited to talk to you because I miss Pennsylvania politics. It's where I got my start in, in politics, in news. And in fact, I was a KDKA radio intern when they were still in Gateway Plaza. I remember as an intern, I would go and I would be up in the studio they were putting together news clips. I was pulling different feeds to, to give to Paul Rasmussen, who I think is still in KDKA News uh, well, Radio. He's not. Uh, I don't think he's at KD Radio anymore. Isn't oh. He, isn't he with one of the CBS affiliates? I don't know. but affiliates? He, I don't know. I haven't seen Paul in a while. Paul has this big, booming voice. But, of course, the unforgettable and indelible Marty Griffin, who has a radio show still and he he was i guess partnering with Wendy Bell but i hear she's no longer with the with the network let's talk pennsylvania politics where's rick santorum tonight john <laughs> he's probably on cnn somewhere isn't that uh, the the uh, cable station yeah. that he works for providing yeah. his commentary but uh, well, you, we, don't, we don't see him in pennsylvania very much anymore well you know i got my start with him sure it was a, I was an intern for him back in 2006. But, okay, John, let's break down this presidential election. Pennsylvania is a crucial swing state in this November contest between former Vice President Joe Biden and current president and the incumbent Donald J. Trump. Both candidates have been barnstorming all over PA. And if I remember correctly, there's what, 60-some counties? No, 67 counties. And I sometimes think these candidates have been to every one of them. On Saturday, President Trump had four rallies across the state of Pennsylvania, uh, starting over in the Bucks County area, going to which is outside of Philadelphia, going to Reading in the center part of the state, coming out to Pittsburgh, just north of Pittsburgh and Butler, and then heading up uh, northeast again to Williamsport. And uh, I mean, it was a pretty grueling schedule, uh, but. President Trump did that, and he, he was getting pretty decent crowds. Of course, he doesn't observe the COVID rules, so he basically brings as many people who want to show up, and he'll get a good crowd most anywhere he goes in Pennsylvania. Uh, tomorrow, I should say Vice President Biden was in Philadelphia on Sunday, today, and then Monday, he's going to be out in Pittsburgh, and he has three events scheduled in Pittsburgh, including a... Uh, a final event. One event is going to be out in Beaver County, hmm. which Ryan, you'll remember, is made up of white working class voters who voted for Donald Trump big time, and they're Democrats, and Joe Biden is trying to win them back. He's going to be meeting with the African American community for an event later in the day. And then Monday evening, he's having a big rally, I believe, at Heinz Field. Wow. Uh, and... Uh, um, and one of his special guests, Dr. Jill, will be joining him. She's got her own circuit through Pennsylvania tomorrow, but she's going to join him for this final rally, which will also feature Lady Gaga. 
Lady Gaga is coming to Pittsburgh to support Joe Biden, and this will be his final mm. campaign appearance. And he's chosen uh, the city of Pittsburgh for that mm. last appearance in Pennsylvania. Makes sense. Mind you, mind you, tomorrow, in addition to Joe Biden campaigning throughout Pennsylvania, Dr. Jill Biden is going all over the state. Kamala Harris is going all over the state, as is her husband, uh, Doug, who is also going all over the state. Mm. So tomorrow we're going to be inundated. Monday, we're, we're just going to have all, the Biden ticket is going to be everywhere. And I think that demonstrates on top of President Trump spending all day Saturday in the state, just demonstrates how critical Pennsylvania is uh, to this uh, presidency. Um, I can give you some historical facts. You know, Ryan, you know me. I can go on and talk and talk and talk. And I don't want to. That's why I love you. That's why I, I think. Don't, I, don't, I don't want you to, you know, whenever you have a comment or question. But let me just tell your listeners. Please. That why is Pennsylvania so important? Because it's very hard to win the White House without our 20 electoral votes. And the last Democrat to win the White House without Pennsylvania was back even before I was born, back in 1948, when Harry S. Truman was elected president without Pennsylvania. But he's the last Democrat. Democrats cannot win the White House without Pennsylvania. The Republicans, every single Republican who has won the White House since Abraham Lincoln carried Pennsylvania in 1860 and again in 1864, every single Republican who has won the White House has won Pennsylvania with two exceptions. One was Richard Nixon and one was George W. Bush. Hmm. But every other president, including Donald Trump, has had to win Pennsylvania in order to win the White House. But That's why they're spending so much time here. Let's back up to W. Since I was in college when W. was elected the second time, did he lose Pennsylvania the... The first time in 2000? Yes. yes, he actually lost Pennsylvania both in 2000 and in 2004. Um, 2004 was a very close election. People may have forgotten that had John Kerry won the state of Ohio, mm -hmm. which he lost by 84,000 votes out of millions cast. If he had won the state of Ohio, he would have been inaugurated president. But wow. he didn't. George Bush won Ohio while losing Pennsylvania, but it was sufficient for him to win the White House. Um, I mean, there is a way for Donald Trump to lose Pennsylvania and still win the White House, but you have to start flipping some states that he did not win last time. Uh, well, for Biden, if he wins everything that Hillary Clinton won, if he wins all those states like Maryland and wins Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, He's the next president. John, it seems as if in the last few days of this presidential campaign that the candidates have taken an increased position and focus on Pennsylvania. Of course, they're in Michigan and Wisconsin. They're down in Florida. They're moving over into Georgia and Texas. I think that it will ultimately come down to Pennsylvania. And as you said, there are routes for this president, the President Trump, to win re-election. However, his chances of winning re-election are much less currently than Joe Biden. Joe Biden has 
at least four or five or perhaps six different avenues to the president. However, Trump has to win. He would ha- if he loses Pennsylvania and he loses Michigan and he loses Wisconsin. John, that's the ball game, right? Oh yeah, that's the ball game. He can't. I mean, he'd really have to flip some, you know, Maryland or some other areas in order to make up the votes, and he's not going to do that. So, um, no, I think if he lo- if he lo- loses all three, he cannot win re-election. Now, if he loses one of those three, there may be a way that he can. You know, he could win Nevada, for example. He did not win Nevada four years ago. Right. Maybe. And it's, it, they say it's close. I don't know. He has to keep Arizona uh, for sure. But Pennsylvania is a tough state. He won Pennsylvania. Let's remind everybody. Not by much. By seven-tenths of one percent. <laughs> 44,000 votes out of 6.1 million votes cast. Now, mind you, we expect more votes cast in Pennsylvania this year, perhaps as many as 7 million. We had a record 9 million people register to vote. That's a new record for Pennsylvania. I've been looking at those statistics because, you know, you always wonder who's going to vote, who's not going to vote. And we talk about young people a lot. In Pennsylvania, the, the number of voters under age 25 is 9%. Wow. Nine percent registered voters, but they never vote. They're never nine percent of the electorate. Uh, Pete Buttigieg was here yesterday in Pittsburgh on Saturday. Where at? Um, he actually went to three different places. He went out to the University of Pittsburgh, Oakland area, to meet with students and young people. He then went down to what we used to call Little Washington or Washington, PA. Oh yeah. Uh, which is white working class. Uh, which is another key constituency that Biden has targeted. And then he went to the North Hills suburbs to meet with suburban women. I mean, he was he was hitting the core constituencies that Democrats are looking to win. And uh, um, I, you know, I interviewed Buttigieg yesterday to talk a little bit about, you know, the strategy and what he was up to and all that kind of do, stuff. Do you want to hear my a quick story and aside? As you have stories, I have a story as well. When Pete Buttigieg first kicked off his presidential race, he went to New Hampshire, and this was back in February of 2019. I was at Pete Buttigieg's very first house party in New Hampshire, and there was about 20 people inside of the house. No one had heard who this guy was when he walked in you would not even be able to distinguish him from maybe other people inside of the house. And he wore a pair of jeans, I think a button down white shirt, his classic uniform that he would wear on the campaign trail. And then I was in the audience. I stopped and listened and had a chance to talk to mayor Pete. And when he answers a question, he gives you a very detailed and complex answer. And I knew at that moment that he was going to do well in that presidential primary contest. And the second tidbit, it's interesting, is that I was at Joe Biden's very first rally in Pittsburgh in April of 2019, standing next to none other than yourself (laughs) in Lawrenceville. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You remember that? Yes, it was at the Teamster Temple, they call it. It it. It's it's a beautiful day. Teamsters Union, uh, yes, I was there. And 
I was trying very hard to get an interview. I know. Biden. And frankly, in those days, during the primary, he was not making himself available to the local media very, very easily. Hmm. Now, I will say that in the last six months that I've interviewed him one-on-one four times, which is a record for a Pennsylvania um, TV journalist, I'm sure. I try, I'm still trying to get an interview with him tomorrow when he's here in Pittsburgh, but I'm told that that's not going to happen. Uh, Why is that? Because the schedule is so tight. Okay. He's moving around to different places. Yeah, but an interview could be where he's coming out on the rope line and he gives you a couple of questions, right? No, believe me, (laughs) I've been doing this for how many decades? And the presidents, no matter who they are, they say the same thing. Oh, you know, he doesn't have time. I tried to get President Trump when he was here on Saturday. And I've interviewed President Trump before. They know who I am. Um, What's he like, John, to interview? Uh, very nice. I mean, he's a very nice gentleman. He's big. I mean, he's a big, tall guy, heavy guy. <laughs> and I'm not that tall. And he's uh, uh, so he's a presence when he walks into the, the interview room. Um, but he was couldn't have been nicer, totally polite. Uh, I had about seven minutes with him in terms of Q&A. But then afterwards, we started chit-chatting about Pittsburgh sports about the Steelers. This was um, last fall. And Big Ben, you know, I have to be careful here because I, I assume there's some Ravens fans out there. I think you're talking to a bunch of them. You know, and, <laughs> I'm a Steelers and, fan. You know, the fact is that the Steelers are a much better team. And on every level, we support Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know they probably all clicked off their podcast right now. Um <laughs> And by the way, that I will give the Ravens credit. They they played an awesome game today. Yeah, they did. Against the Steelers, although, of course, the Steelers won, as we would expect them to. I'm happy about it. You know, I'm happy I'm about happy it. Too, but, but it was a very close game, and, and I think uh, Baltimore surprised a lot of people in Pittsburgh by how well they played. It's, it's a good rivalry between both. It's a Baltimore. good rivalry. It is. It is. But you're asking about Donald Trump. So after I finished the formal interview, and by the way, they've got all these White House minions around and they try to (laughs) shut shut you down. They don't want you to go on for too long. But afterwards, the president just hung around with me and with one other of his uh, close advisors, who's uh, who I happen to know. And uh, we just started talking a little bit about Pittsburgh sports. And he was asking about Big Ben's injury. This was last fall. Hmm. And uh, I told, told him a little bit about it. And, and then I said, and by the way, don't forget the, uh, you know, don't forget get hockey uh, because the Pittsburgh Penguins, that's pretty big in Pittsburgh as well. And uh, he said, oh, yeah. He, he said, you know, the, the uh, Penguins came to the White House, you know, after they won the Stanley Cup a year or so ago. He likes so when he, sports teams come to the White House and yes, see him. A, a number of them boycott him. Uh, so, but only on so, his terms, though. He likes when they come and eat McDonald's, apparently. <laughs> I can't remember. I don't think Sidney Crosby would do that. But the, but after we had this nice conversation and then he says, uh, hey, John, I'm sorry, I have to get in there because he, he was speaking to a large group of people at a conference. And so while he went off one direction, my cameraman and I went back into the hall in order to just shoot some quick pictures. Mm-hmm. So the president comes in, he's introduced, he gets a big applause, he's up standing up there, and he says, uh, uh, 
he says, I'm so sorry to hear what's happened to Big Ben. And you know, he starts repeating some of the things that he and I talked about. And, and then he says to the audience, and by the way, he says, let's not forget the penguins, which is exactly what I had just said to him three minutes earlier. My cameraman turns to me and he says, he's stealing all your lines. John, did you give him all your talking points? I, I said, hey, he's a good politician. Yeah, that is that is pretty clever. So you... You have also interviewed Vice President Biden, who is originally from Scranton. He wasn't there for long, but he was from Scranton. Pennsylvania is obviously important to him. Pennsylvania, as I remember, and as it still is, and this is why I love Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh. And I feel like Pittsburgh, even though I was born and raised in Hagerstown, Maryland, I will always have a special place for Pittsburgh. I lived there for six years it's a great city. I'm still trying to convince Kim to move back, but she doesn't want to go where it's any colder. But I, I, I keep telling her it's such a great... I don't think we're that much colder than Hagerstown. Well, we're probably, we are colder than, than Washington, D.C. Well, look, I'm, I'm this... You're right outside Washington, right? Yeah, I, we're, yeah, we're in Gaithersburg. So we, we go and we love visiting the city, but again, I can't get her to move up there. She wants to live where it's really warm. And, and and actually, she's in Florida right now. So I remember yeah, that well, we had actually I stepped outside. There was a little snow flurries. Oh, this afternoon, so. well, I yeah, no no snow. snow yet. But if it snows on Election Day, which I can't ever remember an Election Day snowing, but that would be something. John, Pittsburgh has a lot of working class folks, of course, the old steel mills. And when you think of Pittsburgh. People still have a characterization or at least an idea that is a, a working class community that has several different ethnic groups. I remember living in the south side of Pittsburgh, which was the traditional Polish neighborhood. You go over to the north side. I believe that was the Irish section of the city. In the old days. The, I mean, in the old days. And then, this has all changed. of course, they had an Italian section. They had all, uh, and then at Squirrel Hill, which is one of the largest concentrated Jewish populations in the United States. Pittsburgh is a very diverse city, a lot of culture, but still, John, would you would you say that it's still a white working class community? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the interesting things about Pittsburgh. It's still 75% white. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of cities, which have become, uh, you know, minority majority cities, uh, majority black cities, you know, like I think Baltimore or Washington, D.C., um, Pittsburgh is not. Um, we have strong African-American communities within the city, um, but it's still majority white and it's still very much, <laughs> you, I mean, what you describe as the various, various ethnicities are very much there. They're not quite as pocketed as they once were. Oh, yeah. Because people live all over. Right. But certainly Italian-Americans and Irish-Americans and Slovak-Americans, um, <laughs> Um, the religion, you know, the, the uh, Judaism, it's not a huge population. They're con- uh, concentrated in a particular part of the city. It used to be, but again, much less so today and, and certainly out in, in the suburbs. Um, it's a, it is a, a city that is, has remade itself. It used to be very steel focused still is somewhat manufacturing focused, but it's also high tech and robotics. Software Institute is there, med and tech, uh, high medicine at UPMC. 
uh, lots of uh, development going on. Um, NASA has awarded one of our companies called Astrobotic is setting up a, a mission control center on the north side of Pittsburgh, which will be mission control for some flights to the moon. I mean, there's just a lot happening in the city of Pittsburgh that is just bears no resemblance to the Pittsburgh that I grew up in, uh, which was very steel focused, uh, certainly, and was, you know, dirty and smoggy and the rest. The, Pittsburgh is not that way anymore. If you haven't been to Pittsburgh, um, and I know you have, Ryan, but if, <laughs> if your viewers and listeners haven't been in the last decade or two, they really ought to take a trip to Pittsburgh on a nice warm day. Don't don't come in the winter. Um, but you'll get a, a real sense of a transformed city that is um, much better yeah. Yeah. in my yeah. personal view than it used to be and certainly is doing better than, say, Baltimore or Cleveland or yeah. St. Louis or some of these other cities that haven't had the ability to re rebirth themselves. John, when I left Pittsburgh in 2008, I have to tell you, my college experience, a lot has changed in the city. And But one thing that I remember well about my college experience is that when I went to Pittsburgh, they have all these, they still have these polka halls, right? And, and I went, my friends and I went to go beer drinking one night at a polka, a polka hall. And I, I would play right now, if my wife were here, this song that I used to wake her up to every morning, the old roll out the barrel. And as I'm sure she's watching right now, she absolutely wants me to play this song, but I will... I will forego that this evening for her own Yeah, you sake. might get me singing and you don't want that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, John, Allegheny County, it's uh, it can go either way. In 2016, which way did Allegheny County vote in the presidential? Well, Allegheny County, now just to, to remind everybody, Pittsburgh, the city of Pittsburgh is one quarter of the county, three quarters of the county. It's made up of little mill towns along the rivers. They used to be steel towns, uh, lots of suburban areas, well-off suburban areas and less well-off. But uh, the, the county itself is predominantly democratic. It's two to one Democrat. Um, as are most of the counties around Allegheny. The difference is that Allegheny County tends to vote for the Democratic candidate for president. Mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton won Allegheny County with a 108,000 vote margin coming out. Is that a lot? That's a lot um, for, the, for Allegheny County. Now, we can contrast it to Philadelphia in a minute. Um, Philadelphia County has a couple hundred thousand more people, but it's a big county like, like Allegheny. Uh, so it's the biggest county in Pennsylvania. But Allegheny County gave Barack Obama, for example, in 2012, Barack Obama had a 90,000 vote margin. Hmm. And he carried the state. Yeah. Hillary had a bigger margin and she didn't carry the state. What's the difference? All those surrounding Democratic counties that voted for uh, Donald Trump in much bigger margins than they ever voted for uh, Mitt Romney, who ran in 2012 against Barack Obama. These Democratic counties that surround Allegheny 
are made up of predominantly white uh, working class Democrats. What changed, though, from 2012 to 2016 from Barack Obama when he was reelected president, then over to Donald Trump? What political calculus was so dramatically different that it shifted from a Democrat like Barack Obama, who is not conservative, but I would consider him left of center, moderate to progressive. But to someone like Trump, was it the was it trade issues? Was it the the tariffs? Was it the the wall that he had promised or what what else could have inspired these voters? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's kind of all of the above. Well, first off, Donald Trump was not Hillary Clinton. And I do think and I want to be upfront about it. I think there's a lot of sexism in Pennsylvania politics. We have not had successful women politicians statewide. It's very rare for a woman to win statewide. Uh, And I think uh, I think Clinton bore the brunt of some of that. Uh, But I do think Donald Trump was speaking the language of people who felt very abused. They felt that their jobs were being taken by China. And this was something Trump really, really spent a lot of time talking about trade issues. Um, The energy issues are very big in Western Pennsylvania, fracking, natural gas, uh, coal, and uh, the the candidate Trump was telling everybody he was going to bring these businesses and industries back and they would thrive under his administration. And the consequence was that if you look at counties, um, I mean, I'll I'll just cite you a couple uh, figures. For example, let's take uh, you know, Beaver County, you know where Beaver I County I do. Beaver County voted, it was really neck and neck between Mitt Romney and Barack Obama. It ended up giving 5,000 more votes to Mitt Romney. But when it was Donald Trump, he took that 5,000 and grew it to 15,600. Wow. Now, remember what I said earlier, Donald Trump won Pennsylvania by 44,000 votes. Wow. I've just identified 10,600 votes in one county outside of Pennsylvania. And believe me, I can go through each of the counties in Western Pennsylvania and start adding up those votes. And uh, you're pretty soon you're gonna get easily, you're gonna get uh, the 44,000. Take Erie, mm-hmm. Erie County up in the North Northeast. Christy uh, Gen, is Northwest. it Christy Genbus or Genebus. Gene- yeah. That's a congressional race. We can talk about that if you want. Yeah. But just to wrap up on the present, Barack Obama carried Erie County in 2012 by 19,000 votes. This is a very Democratic county. And Barack Obama won it. Four years later, did Clinton win it by 19,000? No. By 10,000? No. By 5,000? No. The end result was that Donald Trump won Erie County by 1,900 votes. He flipped the county. So right there, I've identified another 20,000 added to the 10. You can see it doesn't take long before we, we can figure out exactly why tomorrow Joe Biden will be in Beaver County. Yeah. Why yesterday Donald Trump was in Butler County. These counties around Pittsburgh are the battlegrounds for Western Pennsylvania. Now, there's another battleground, I will tell you, 
up in the Scranton mm -hmm. area. And the, the candidates have all spent a lot of time up there, including Joe Biden, who grew who grew the first eight, 10 years of his life, spent summers going up there. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just sort of a lesson that Pennsylvania's a very big state, lots of pockets. And if you're going to run successfully and win the state, you've got to really sort of identify these different pockets and frame a message for those people. John, the while we were speaking, the New York Times just released a alert or a story, and I received these directly to my smartphone, in which it says the presidential race could come down to Pennsylvania, that Joe Biden, while Joe Biden is ahead, Donald Trump's rallies have inspired increased GOP energy. Yes. And well, I, you know, I, <laughs> I've been to those rallies. They are energetic. Now, I will say one thing. We do get a lot of folks from Ohio and West Virginia who come to his rallies in Pennsylvania. So they cross the border and come on over. Yeah, it's only 20 miles. So, you know, we're 20, 20 miles from either one of those states. Where the poll, but, the polling. But there is enthusiasm. That is one thing. And I saw it four years ago. I see it again now. There is tremendous enthusiasm for Donald Trump among his supporters. Mm -hmm. uh, the question is, when we see so many new voters mm -hmm. coming to the polls, who are they voting for? Are these people unhappy with Trump or loving Trump? And I think we won't know until they count the ballots. Where, by the way, that's not going to happen instantaneously in Pennsylvania either. Sure. And I, I listened to an interview on MSNBC a few days ago with Governor Tom Wolf, who is in his second term. Tom Wolf, who is the bearded governor. <laughs> and, you know, he's seen... like you. You must like that. Oh, well, I have a not as good of a beard as as Tom Wolf. But Tom Wolf is cautiously and I mean, extremely cautiously optimistic that Vice President Biden, whom he is backing because Wolf is a Democrat, would be able to pull out a victory. Again, no wonder that these candidates are m making Pennsylvania their political epicenter. So where will this race be won or lost, John? As you said earlier, the suburbs of Pittsburgh, there's the suburbs of Philadelphia. And you and I have talked about this as well. There also has to be a massive African-American vote that comes out and backs Vice President Biden in the pits in the in the Philadelphia suburbs. Is that accurate? That's very accurate. And let's talk about Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, because Philadelphia is going to be key. It's majority black, not not 100 percent, but majority black. And um, Barack Obama carried Philadelphia in 2012 by 490,000 votes. Wow. That's a margin. That's like Obama got 490,000 and Romney got zero. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about the difference. And 490,000, that dropped for Hillary Clinton down to 475,000. So it, was, it went down a little bit. Um, but the outlying counties around Philadelphia, she did not do that well in Bucks County. She uh, barely won Bucks. She did okay in Delaware County and Montgomery County. Uh, but these, you know, when you think about votes in Pennsylvania, 40% of the votes 
in Pennsylvania are really in southeastern Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Philadelphia media market. So it becomes really critical. Uh, Biden has to come out of Philadelphia with a strong black vote. That's why Barack Obama was campaigning there for him a week ago. And uh, um, it's, it's just absolutely critical. One of the questions I was asking Cory Booker, there was that police shooting yeah. uh, um, of a, uh, a black guy with a knife who came at the police but apparently had mental history issues. I mean, there was, and then there were protests and there were riots and there was looting, all kinds of stuff that, uh, you know, evokes a reaction. And of course the Trump folks have played on this a lot in, in terms of the violence. Um, and I was asking Senator Booker who represents New Jersey and is very familiar with Philadelphia, he's right across the line there. Um, you know, whether this would have much of an impact on black turnout. He doesn't think it will. And, uh, you know, but obviously uh, it's an important constituency for the Democrats. So they want a big uh, African-American turnout in Philly. They need the suburban women in the collar counties that surround Philadelphia. Um, and then they need the white working class voters in Scranton, in uh, Lackawanna County, in Luzerne County, and out in the counties in Western Pennsylvania. Those are your three core constituencies. If you can bring those together, you'll win. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's any way to predict tonight uh, who's going to win Pennsylvania, Ryan. See, that's where I agree with you. I don't think we're going to know the outcome of this election until it could be days, it could be weeks. I know that the president has said that if he sees himself up on election night, that he's going to come out, he is going to declare victory. John, you've watched a lot of presidential contests throughout your long career in politics. What are voters expect? How should voters expect to watch the election returns? Are we going to have any outcomes by midnight on Tuesday or by Wednesday? What should voters brace themselves for? Well, some states, not Pennsylvania, but some states allow the mail-in vote to be counted ahead of time. And one of those states is Florida. So we should know how Florida is going Tuesday night. Yeah, We should have a good sense. If Joe Biden wins Florida, then that's pretty indicative that he's winning the presidency. Wow. Um, if Donald Trump wins Florida, then that just means he's winning some of the states that he's won before. Mm -hmm. It won't indicate that he's going to be president or reelected because he still has to win Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, as we talked about earlier. Um, the problem in Pennsylvania, and I might add Michigan, is that state law does not allow you to start counting these mail-in ballots until 7 a.m. on election day. And nobody anticipated a pandemic yeah, such that millions of Pennsylvanians, uh, close to three million, ha have uh, requested you know these write-in, these absentee. We now have no excuse mail-in balloting in Pennsylvania. This is our first general election with it, so everybody's kind of it's it's, it's sort of experimental. Um, and although some of the counties are trying very hard to count these ballots beginning at seven a.m. 
we know that some counties that are traditionally slow, and that's Philadelphia, may not have these results quite as quickly. So it's possible that the early votes coming out on Tuesday night in Pennsylvania will show Donald Trump ahead because it will, they will not have counted Philadelphia yet. Mm -hmm. And it would be premature to declare, for him to declare himself president or for anyone to declare him reelected or carrying the state of Pennsylvania um, without having all of the Philadelphia votes counted. So, um, I mean, we'll see. I, I think, I think. Is it gonna be a long night, John? It could be. I think it's, it's likely to be. Uh, what about lawsuits? Do you suspect that courts could be involved if it's if it's close, the challenge process? I mean, are we looking at perhaps another 2000 if if things are are so close in each of these states? How does that work? Yeah, well, remember, in in 2000, we were dealing with a system of voting that allowed for confusion. Remember the, <laughs> the chads? The chads? Yeah. The little hanging chads, and where you punched holes in ballots, and some of those ballots got mixed up, and I mean there was all all kinds of stuff. That's not happening in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. The only question in Pennsylvania is, will we count the votes of people who cast the votes when they are received after election day? Mm-hmm. And the the states, some states. I mean, California has a law that allows those votes to be counted for what? a week and a half, two weeks Mm -hmm. after the election. In Pennsylvania, we do not have such a law, but the the state Supreme Court stepped in and said, well, because the U.S. Postal Service is so screwed up, we can't count on the post office to to deliver people's ballots by election day. So we will allow each of the counties, the 67 counties, their election officials to have an extra three days to take ballots that have been postmarked by election day. You can't vote after election day, but if you voted by election day, you put your ballot in the mail. More likely if you voted over the weekend, you put your ballot in the mail and it didn't arrive by Tuesday. John, for people- Those votes were supposed to be able to be counted. That's what the court said at least. And that's, and I want to come back to the courts because recently there was a Supreme Court ruling that I think would actually favor the vice president, um, perhaps. But I want to come back to that. John, for political nerds like myself who will be watching the Secretary of State's office, assuming that's where they're going to post the election returns in Pennsylvania, right? Um, <laughs> where, where should we look to find information in Pennsylvania. And if if you predict any trends in certain counties or different areas, is that, will, will said trend then be able to perhaps predict the way that Pennsylvania will go red or blue? Where, what can we focus on that night? Where should we well, be looking? Well, no surprise. I'm going to pitch kdka.com. Please. Where- where you can watch the live stream on CBSN Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stacy Smith, one of our great anchors, is going to uh, be running an election series on CBSN. This is online, it's not on TV, it's online. So you can watch it from your your iPad, your laptop, your smartphone, 
It's at, uh, you go to kdka.com and it's CBSN Pittsburgh. And we're going to have election coverage on that. I'll be on there from time to time. I'll also be on television, but I'll be on CBSN as well with my thoughts. But if you really want to get information, you know, our counties run the election show. So you need, you can go to the county websites and you can just log on to the Allegheny County website or the Philadelphia website. Allegheny County updates its figures every 20 minutes generally. Right. Now the state aggregates those. So if you go to, uh, I think it's, is it dos.state.pa? Mm -hmm. It's the Department of State's website for elections. They will actually have a map of Pennsylvania and you can click on the counties and that'll take you to some data on each of the counties. Uh, it's not always updated as quickly as the county's websites themselves, but it's a good aggregator. And uh, if you will, and I know Ryan, you are a political nerd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as I am. Yes. So I'm, I'm sure you'll be logging into this. Um, John, most people are probably going to just wait till the next morning and figure it all out. John, my, my good dear friend, uh, State Senator Brian Feldman of Montgomery County's District 15, a longtime state senator who has been uh, a, a, a fantastic representative for not just District 15 here in Montgomery County, but for all Marylanders. He is originally from Pittsburgh, and he said, oh, his, he said his cousin, uh, Lisa Greiger Schulman, is running for state rep in Pittsburgh suburbs D30. And he said it's the most competitive legislative district in Allegheny County, and control of the PA House may come down to her race. Well, <laughs> it's Lisa Geiger Schulman. Lisa. I see. I can't even pronounce it. I'm sorry. I have interviewed Lisa. She's a very nice young woman, mother of what, three kids, I think, two or three kids. Um, your state senator is correct. It is one of the hotly contested races. Uh, she is running against the incumbent Republican, Lori Mizgorski. Hmm. And it is one of 15 seats the Democrats are contesting to win control of the state House of Representatives. Democrats must must switch nine seats. They must beat nine incumbents. Uh, Lisa Geiger-Schulman is running against one of the 15. Uh, there are a couple other races, but I, at the same time, the Democrat, or the Republicans have targeted some Democrats, both in our area, the Democratic leader, Frank Dermody from Oakmont, north of Pittsburgh, who would be Speaker of the House if the Democrats took over. Hmm. He's fighting for his life against a Republican and really? a zillion bucks that the Republicans are spending against him. So, you know, both parties know that there, there's a lot at stake in these so-called down ballot races. Um, I'm assuming, are you electing your legislature in Maryland this year? No, we elect every four years on, and they're only on the, the gubernatorial year. So in 2022, we will head to the ballot uh, boxes for our state legislators. Well, I'll tell you, you know, the, our candidates running for state house and state Senate in Pennsylvania are, uh, you know, they're complaining because all the attention <laughs> and the oxygen goes to the presidential race and money and money and money. Yeah. John, poor guys are trying to win and it's hard to get attention. So John, your, uh, your state Senator, uh, 
I, I know Lissa well, and uh, she's got a shot. She really does. That's exciting. And I, I wanted to ask you about, I know that we talked a little bit about the enthusiasm around President Donald Trump's race. We've seen the rallies. Now, on the Democratic side, mm-hmm. Joe Biden and the polls say that he is still up. That And there's been polling that has been within, what, three, four, five, or or six. John, where do you really see the polling? Where do you think that it that it truly is right now? Well, I think it's within margin of error. Okay. I think Biden, all the polls I've seen, there's not been one poll except for the Trafalgar poll. Mm-hmm. The Trafalgar poll had Donald Trump ahead by eight-tenths of one percent. Oh, wow. Um, which is about what he won by four years ago. But all the other polls showed uh, Biden ahead by two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight points. Now, the problem is that when you're in the mid to low numbers, you're within margin of error. What does that mean? That means that if the margin of error is four points and you're at five points, it means you could really be only one point ahead. Mm-hmm. You track the numbers out. And I think that that's probably the right way to look at it. That, that I think it could go either way. And a lot will depend on who comes out to vote, which is why, you know, most of most of our voters have not voted yet. Now, we've had millions vote by mail, but we have millions more that haven't voted. And so the question is, can the Democrats get their folks out? Can the Republicans get their folks out? And And again, it's not clear that Republicans are voting for the Republican candidate. There are a lot of suburban Republicans backing Joe Biden. And there are a lot of outlying Democrats still voting for uh, Donald Trump. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, it's a confused picture, which is why we are we're basically, you know, up for grabs. John, could, could you walk us through the respective candidates ground games around the state? Who do you see has the the outreach, the television ads, the money, the mailers. What are you seeing on the ground in Pittsburgh? I am seeing far more advertising for Joe Biden. Um, Does that matter? Well, he, he number one, he has more money than Donald Trump, but he's spending more. And all the political action committees, you know, the, the PACs, mm-hmm. Uh, although there's a bunch spending them for Trump, um, but there's a lot spending for Biden as well. And uh, so I th- think on the airwaves, it would feel as if there's more Joe Biden ads. Um, the mailings are mostly uh, Democrat mailings. Mm-hmm. The, uh, um, the lawn signs depends on where you are. The Trump <laughs> lawn signs are everywhere. Pervasive. Outside the, uh, the the Allegheny County area. In Allegheny County, there are far more Biden signs than there ever were for Hillary Clinton. I mean, there's more enthusiasm for Biden than for Clinton. And you see it um, up and down the suburbs of Pittsburgh. You know, if you drive around, you can't help but see Biden signs. Now you also see some Trump signs. And the further you get away from the city, the more Trump signs you see. Well, that's what people should understand about the state of Pennsylvania. That, And it's a huge state. There's a right. big middle T section, right? 
And my old boss, Bill Schuster, from the fighting 9th Congressional District and Bud Schuster's old district that goes up around Allentown, PA, and uh, where the Bud Schuster Highway is, Route 80, this is a culturally conservative area. This was Rick Santorum territory. In fact, that's where he got his spurs, so to speak. He got a massive amount of support in those areas and still and turned out enough voters. You go up the T, and then on either side is where the, the, the blue is, and then in the middle is this massive swarm of red. John, is Trump going to be able to deliver his base and plus some in those areas what do you? What are you hearing on the ground from his surrogates in PA? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that Trump will win the T, as we call it, the south central part of the state, up into the northern reaches. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not overdo what that means. That's not where <laughs> most of the people live. Right. Most of the people live outside the T in southeastern Pennsylvania. That's Philadelphia and its environs or southwestern Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, and its environs. So um, the T is important for Republicans because if you don't win it, you don't have a chance at winning the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump will win it, and he'll win it big. Um, there's a lot of enthusiasm for him, and he's been spending time in that area. The question, the real question in terms of election is can he hold down the vote for Biden in the city of Philadelphia and in the suburbs of Philly? And can he win, as he did four years ago, those white working class voters that we talked about a little while ago from the outlying counties in southwestern Pennsylvania? What does he do up in Erie? You know, he went to Erie, so did Joe Biden. You know, he's trying to keep, Trump is trying to keep Erie in his column And Biden is trying to bring it back to the huge margins that Barack Obama carried Erie by four years ago or uh, eight years ago. What about Um, what about this nuance with Biden's position on fracking? Obviously, a big issue in the state of Pennsylvania. How how do voters reconcile that? Were they turned off by it? Are they going to back Trump because he does not support banning fracking? Is that even an issue at all? Well, let's be clear. Joe Biden says repeatedly, every time I interview him, I've asked him the same question and he gives the same answer. Donald Trump can lie about my record, lie about my position as as much as he wants. But let me be clear with you, John. I will not ban fracking. Mm -hmm. I will not ban fracking. I will not ban fracking. And that's what they say on TV, on the ads. You know, I will not ban fracking. And of course, Trump saying he will ban fracking. (laughs) He will ban fracking. He will take away your energy jobs. (laughs) So you have these two people, you know, one saying the other is lying about his record and lying about his position and the other insisting, no, he's going to do this if he gets elected. I think for most people, they've tuned it out. Fracking is important to those in the energy energy business. Um, Most of the Democrats out here support fracking with the proper safeguards, uh, environmental safeguards. What is fracking, by the way? Just do people know what it is? It's when you drill down for natural gas, it's a method that allows you to 
drill straight down and then spread out underground about a mile under. And you essentially are, it's a, it's a technical term that has to do with how you extract the natural gas that is underneath Pennsylvania. Uh, we are the second largest producer of natural gas and we're very close to the number one state, which is Texas. So natural gas is important to Pennsylvania. It heats our homes, it powers our plants. Mm -hmm. um, we pay very low prices to heat our homes compared to other parts of the country because of natural gas. And most people like natural gas. It's very clean, but the process of extracting it can lead to some environmental problems, particularly with respect to water. And our Democratic governor has imposed restrictions on safeguards. He supports fracking, but his position, like, like Biden's, is essentially we're going to provide the environmental safeguards to allow for the extraction of natural gas safely. Um, it's a complicated picture. I don't think it's going to make that big a deal, to yeah. be honest. John, uh, quick, we, and we have a few minutes left. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Senate races around the country? We're looking at the Democrats likely taking the state of Arizona, the Mark Kelly and Martha McSally race. That almost looks like it's a surefire bet for astronaut Mark Kelly, who is, who is married to former U.S. Congressman Gabby Giffords. Of course, you'll remember Gabby Giffords, who was shot in 2010, I believe, and she went through a, a long, long recovery. It's either 2010 or 11. And then we're looking at the state of Colorado, that race between Senator Cory Gardner and former governor John Hickenlooper, who ran for president. That looks like that it's going into the Hickenlooper column. And then you go up to the state of Maine, where there's a race between the Speaker of the House, Sarah Gideon, and incumbent U.S. Senator Susan Collins. And by all indications, the polls show that Collins is doomed for a defeat. And that's three, and I believe that would get the Democrats to 50 or, 40, 50 or 49. 50-50 uh, with yeah. the, the Democratic vice president breaking the tie mm -hmm. if Biden's elected. In order to have control, the Remember, though, you're you've got to take into the fact that uh, Doug Jones he's going to lose a senator from Alabama is going to lose. So they have to pick up another seat, which is where yeah. Cal Cunningham of North Carolina, you know, who yeah. is running against incumbent uh, Senator Tillis, is going to have to come through. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it looks promising based on the polling that I have seen. Right. So it's conceivable the Democrats could take control of the U.S. Senate. They really need to win one of the other outlying seats, you know, like a defeating Joni Ernst, for example, in Iowa. Yeah. Um, or the um, seat up in Montana. Oh, where the Steve governor Daines. And, and... Yeah, and Daines and Bullock, I think the governor. Um, and there was some hope about Alaska. I don't know where that stands right now. Yeah, I, I haven't heard too much about that, although I have heard... I don't. I think that Harrison in South Carolina ran a good race. He had a lot of money. It's still hard to topple Lindsey Graham. Now that I just, I've, I've always felt that's a tough one. I also might say that I think it's tough for, for Joe Biden to win the state of Georgia, 
but they're trying. They they're might. Sure trying. Ossoff, if look, it'll inevitably go into this runoff because I don't think anyone's going to get above the 50% margin. But the Democrats down in Georgia are running excellent campaigns. And yes, they are. by all polling indications, they're ahead. Now, if Trump would lose the presidency and they go into two runoffs, you're going to see a massive amount of money get thrown into Georgia. And then the special election will be sometime in December, I believe. January. Oh, is it January? January. January. It's in January. Oh my gosh. They're going to drag that out and we may not even know who controls the Senate by then and it could come down to Georgia politics in the United States. We are at such a weird place, but we have guys like yourself who are experts, John, who can make sense of this. I think a lot of people are nervous on both sides. And I I tell people this on on each of the sides who listen to my show and in private conversation that Either one of these candidates could win. And any of the and I think that the Biden people are pa- playing it very very cautious. In fact, they made fun of it last night on SNL with uh you know, as Jim Carrey playing Biden. And I think that the Democrats are very squeamish this year. They're they don't know if this thing is wrapped up despite all of the signs that point to a democratic presidential victory, but Look what happened in 2016. It threw us all for a loop. However, I think that's 2016 and 2020 are markedly different races. So, um, well, you know, there, I, I know the anxiety that's out there. I see it all mm-hmm. the time. I've actually interviewed a psychologist who coined the phrase of ESD, election stress disorder, which uh, I think a number of us may be suffering <laughs> under. But but, you know, Ryan, I'll just offer the perspective of someone who's been through a lot of presidential races. Um, this is a very great and strong country. We will survive whoever's elected. We have survived some terrifically bad presidents over the decades and, uh, and some very ineffective ones as well. And so I, I never get quite as... Uh, you know, you hear people say, oh, if so-and-so gets elected, I'm moving to Canada, you know, that kind of thing. I just don't think that's... Uh, it's it's not too cold really up necessary. there. It's too cold up there. Yeah, Kim will never move up there. She'll never move. But uh, the bottom line is that that uh, as long as we do this in a, a democratic, small-D, democratic, respectful way, where every single vote gets counted, no matter how long it takes... Uh, so that we know who really is the winner, I think most Americans are prepared to live with whomever wins this election. Uh, they may not like it, but as long as every vote is counted and everyone feels that it's, it's been done right, um, we'll survive. Well, I, you know, if, if Trump wins again, I kind of am interested to see who's going to play the Leonard uh, Leonard Cohen piano special on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> but if Biden wins... I still think that the political unrest, it will take a f- it's going to take some time to iron out this process. Some Democrats, I, be- I believe, are under a mindset that if Biden wins, then all of this is just going to magically go away. We're still a divided country. It's going to uh-huh. take much work on both sides to return to accepting one another, working with one another. 
and when bipartisanship is not a dirty word, I do believe that it this this presidential race uh, is I think one to it's one of the most awkward and just unusual periods ever in the history. We got hit with a global pandemic. It upended our entire process. Now, I was under the impression that if this pandemic had never occurred with the consequences and the effects on the economy or otherwise, I think Trump still would have had a pretty a pretty good shot at beating Joe Biden or whomever became the Democratic nominee. Well, he may still have a good shot at it. I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to gauge how the pandemic plays in all this. I think certainly Joe Biden has made it a, you know, point number one in his brief as to why you should vote for him. But I don't know whether people buy it, uh, whether they think any president could have made much of a difference. Uh, I think it it really depends on how strongly you feel about that issue. And there are other issues as well. So... John? We shall see. Uh, you can have me back later. We'll I, talk about uh, what happened. I, I would love to. John, people are going to want to follow you now that you are uh, a new family friend of the Minor Detail podcast here in Maryland. <laughs> and John has a, a Twitter account, and he's on Facebook. John, where can people find you? At J-O-N Delano, D-E-L-A-N-O. At J-O-N, no H, J-O-N D-E-L-A-N-O. And I'm happy to have, I'm happy to be followed on Twitter. I do have a Facebook page. I have to admit, I'm not as good at Facebook. I like to tweet, but it's a lot easier for me. Yeah. And if you visit Pittsburgh, yeah. And if you visit pittsburgh.cbslocal.com, you can just go to kdka.com. My, uh, if you find my picture and name there and you click on it, you'll see all my stories are listed underneath. I read Pittsburgh News every day as I and I still listen to the morning shows. <laughs> I still listen to every once in a while. I tune in to see what Marty, who whoever he is uh, riling up or whatever issue of the day that he's been taking on. And John, we have my wife is. She's a mega fan of yours, and she watches all of your live videos. and And I have to be quiet when you're on. In fact, she'll tell me, Shh, "John's on. You got you got to be quiet." <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. She she's a she's a huge fan. Well, uh, your wife has very fine taste. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> well, John, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you come to us to the state of Maryland and provide your analysis and excellent insight into the world of Pennsylvania politics. A place that I got my start in. I miss I miss Pittsburgh a lot. I think about it all the time, and I think about coming back, and uh, I know that whenever I do come back, you and I will always find some time to, to get together, shoot the breeze, and figure out what's going on in, in, in the political world, but um, it's I can't been... wait till we have breakfast at Pamela's again. Yeah, I can't either. John Delano from KDKA TV News in Pittsburgh. He is their money and politics editor, and he... We talked all about the presidential race and some Senate races and sort of the political dynamics shaping uh, a battleground state that could potentially resolve this presidential contest. John Delano, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Thank you, Ryan. Great pleasure to be with you and all your listeners. All right. I'll catch up with you soon, John. Thank you. All right. Everybody, that was John Delano of KDKA. 
TV news, you can find him at at John Delano, J-O-N-D-E-L-A-N-O, on Twitter and Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan R. Minor, that's R-Y-A-N-R-M-I-N-E-R, and at A Minor Detail. And I am also on Spotify. You can find me on Apple Podcast. It used to be iTunes. Now it's Apple Podcast. You can find me on Google Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Maybe you get that at, maybe you get it on Stitcher or TuneIn or Podbean. But I get my podcast from Apple Podcasts. And I also get my podcasts on, you can see right here, on Spotify. Right here. And I am right there, and I'm going to upload this episode. Also, I want you to do me a favor. And if you like podcasts and if you like politics like I do, you want to check out my friend Sherry Jacobus's podcast. It's called Politics with Sherry Jacobus. She's a Maryland girl, and she's been on the upper echelons of politics, and I would encourage you to check it out, also because I am her producer. So I want to give a plug to my friend Sherry. Make sure you check out a minordetail.com. There's a big story out today on Dan's Tap House. On Dan's Tap House in Boonesboro, Maryland, where someone published a social media post that turned out to be very questionable. The person responsible for publishing the original post turns out to be a Washington County Public School employee. And she's getting some, some heat over this. And my friend who I know, Charlotte Often Prink, is the uh, one of the co-owners of Dan's Tap House. She's getting a lot of unnecessary and feckless and unfair blowback. And I report on that today. we got to keep local news front and center. That's what a aminordetail.com does. My name is Ryan Miner. I'm a Minor Details editor-in-chief. I'm the host of a Minor Detail podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Election Day is Tuesday. I hope you voted. And if you didn't, you can... Go to the Maryland State Board of Elections website and find out where you vote. But please do vote. doesn't matter who you vote for, but please vote. And please continue to wear your masks and to uh, socially distance. And uh, <clears throat> this guy, he wants you to vote too. This is Jackson, and he's making his guest appearance. So he said, please vote. Okay. Oh, you want to be squirmy. All right. Folks, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Don't drink too much on election night. God only knows. I know that that helps some of us, but don't drink too much. Be safe, have fun, and make sure you vote.